Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. But we're going to go to we're going to go to Matthew, um, chapter three, verse thirteen. I know normally we have our Bible declaration up on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read it out loud. Can you can you say this out loud and with absolute conviction and in holy expectation? Can we do that? Come on, say amen out loud. Let's amen. practice. All right. Say, this is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant Word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit and soul to receive from its truth. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here. Just remain standing patiently with me out of respect for God's word. It says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John the Baptist at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now John is Jesus' cousin, if you didn't know that. And John, John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And you are coming to me? But Jesus answered him and said, Permit it to be so, for thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. See, God is a God of divine order. Even Jesus is being baptized. Look at somebody and say, If Jesus got baptized, follow God's divine order. That was just a little plug about, you know, baptism. By the way, we're going to be doing baptisms in a few weeks. He said, permit it to be so now, for thus, is fulfill, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, watch this, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. Listen, when, when you follow, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This, I believe this is totally from the Lord. When you follow God's divine order, it will cause heavens to open up over you. I'm going to just park there for one moment because somebody needs to hear this. I feel the unction of the Spirit of God. Many of us try to serve God on our own terms. Young people, I need you to hear this. Old people, just alike. We cannot serve God according to our order. A lot of people come to know Jesus and wonder why things aren't working for them. Check check whether or not you are walking in God's divine order in accordance with His Word. If we say we love Jesus, Jesus said it like this, if you love me, if you love me, that's what the Bible says. We got a generation who's walking on planet earth these days wanting to serve Christ on their terms. We have to walk in God's divine order if we want to be recipients to all that God said we would have. Come on, somebody say amen. So it says, then the heavens were opened as he was baptized. And Jesus come up, came up immediately from the water and the heavens were opened to him. And the Spirit of God, he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and aligning upon him. There that word goes again, alignment. Say alignment. And suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now watch this. So these are two separate events that happen, but following that event, we find out what happens in Matthew chapter four. So just a few verses later, and it says this in Matthew chapter four, verse one, the three temptations. So the spirit of God comes on him. You would think that Jesus would immediately go out in power, start working signs, start working wonders, start preaching the gospel, but he doesn't do that. What just happened to him after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he's led into not this heavenly euphoric state where signs and wonders begin to happen. He's led into a place of testing. 
Because what God does in your life gets tested. Always be careful about high water marks in your life. When God does something, we think that he's about to start doing so many amazing things, but that was just the deposit. When you go through a high moment in life, like what we've seen last Sunday in a couple's life, always be prepared for testing because the enemy will test that which God deposits on the inside of you. Because we don't get strong unless we are tested. So I'll read on and I'll let your knees have a rest. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, say by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. And now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written. Anytime the devil messes with you, you turn and you say, this is the only time I'm giving you permission to talk to the devil because we don't talk to the devil. We only talk to the Lord. But when he messes with you, when he tempts you, when he tries your family, when he tries to steal your children, when your finances start acting funny, when you feel temptation and everything's falling apart around you, I want you to turn to him and simply say these words, it is written. Amen? He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up on the holy city. We talked about this last week. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. See how the devil's quoting the Bible back at him. He quotes, I believe it's in Isaiah, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said again, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Last verse, and then you may have your seats. This is the last temptation. Say the last temptation. This is one of the most important ones. I'd like you to pay close attention. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. Now this word is very key, what he's about to say. All the kingdoms of what? The what? He didn't say the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of, and Jesus in the New Testament says my kingdom. When he was being tried by Pontius Pilate, he said these words, my kingdom is not of this. Your kingdom and God's kingdom is not of this world. So the devil showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. I feel the power of the Spirit. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you. They were his to give because he is the ruler of this world, the Bible says. Why do you think the world looks like the way it does? All these things I will give you if you, how brave the devil was. All these things I will give unto you if you would simply bow down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him emphatically, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. You may have your seat. Father, may the power of your Holy Spirit Rest on every word. I surrender my tongue and my heart and my mind to you, Lord. May I say nothing more and nothing less than your word would have me to. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name. Now, now I, w- I want to address, I think it's pretty clear that this was the last temptation that the devil would use on Jesus. Say the final test. Let's quickly review what these tests were. And every, and I'll make it practical in our personal lives because that is important. And you will also go through similar tests. This, this is not just a story for us to read about what Jesus went through. This is, a, this is a template on what every child of God will eventually go through in their life if you call yourself a believer. And if you are a believer in Jesus, we will be tempted in like manner. 
The devil may not take us up on a high mountain. He may not do those things. He may have other offerings that he wants to give you. But nonetheless, he desires the results to be the same. You choosing it over him. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Not the devil. I mean choosing it or things, bread, whatever bread, whatever feeds your flesh, or whatever thing that, that, that uh, draws the pride that's on the inside of you, or all these kingdoms of their world and their glory, which I'll describe all those. I'll break them down in just a moment. Whatever that is for you. And every person has a weakness in this room, and the devil will test that weakness, and he has one desire to sift you as wheat. That's his desire. And so he started with the flesh. He wanted to see if he can get to Jesus by getting him to turn stones in the bread. Would turning stones into bread be wrong for Jesus? No, because in the New Testament, it is clear that Jesus would eventually turn those stones into bread. It, it was wrong because of the moment. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Every believer should practice restraint in their lives. Can I just be open to you? No, don't be open. Dean said, Dean said no. There are things I have a... Uh, when I find myself saying yes to too many things, I will intentionally take a short season of saying no to that thing. Not because it's bad, but because I want to train my body to obey the Lord. This has to do with my eating habits. This also, kids, plug your ears, even should be practiced between a husband and a wife. This is a little graphic, but did you know that God even instituted this in marriage so that the woman goes on a certain uh, cycle each month, that was God-given. Do you know why? So that they can give themselves over to the Lord and not worry about fleshly desires. That's what the Bible says. This is 1 Corinthians. All the husbands, I heard no husband say amen because we don't like that. But this, was, this is a holy thing because so that we could take a certain time of the month to not worry about in the evening of being with one another, but just setting time aside for Jesus. And what happens in the spirit is when we train our flesh too much. See, we are in a generation who has a really hard time hearing God. Why do we? Because everything is accessible. Facebook, Instagram. And if you can't get to someone physically, that people use computers to satisfy their sexual needs. There's always this potential to feed the flesh. And we wonder why we have a wayward generation. We wonder why we are not experiencing revival. Forget about just in the church, but in the world itself. It's because we feed more of the flesh than the spirit and we wonder why we don't see the miracle signs and wonders that we once seen in the days of old and I believe God is calling us back to some of this these holy ways of saying no to the flesh you know you don't have to say yes just because you want it maybe why this church is this is why it's so empty because I tell the truth that's okay. I made sure I had a 40-hour-a-week job just in case y'all didn't want to give when I say something wrong. So we will still be here next week. My name is Donnie Smith, and I approve this message. <laughs> then there was the pride of life. Say the pride of life. I was really acting up last night, wasn't I, guys? My team's going to get on me at, anyway, the wedding last night. So then there was the pride of life. And this is where Jesus, almost in a way, if you think about it, the devil took him on that exceedingly high mountain, which was the pinnacle. Who was here when we talked about the pride of life last week? Who was not here? Okay, so in Jerusalem, this still stands today. The pinnacle, say the pinnacle. This was where, Sol this was where the temple was, where they would go and worship every year in Jerusalem. And on the southeast side, there was a place that's really, really high. And it actually overshadows the Kidron Valley, which was, it's more like a ditch now. It's very filled now, but it's, it's about a three or 400 foot drop. 
And so when the devil took him up on that exceedingly high mountain and Jesus decided to jump down, more than likely Jerusalem would have been packed at that time. And when Jesus did that, everybody would have saw him essentially flying down without hurting himself and they would have all hailed him as Messiah. Would Jesus eventually ascend and show himself Messiah? Yes, he would, but the timing was off. And plus the devil was instructing him to. And, and, and the Lord, while the devil wanted Jesus to feel the need to be seen and recognized by people. Listen, you know what temptation means? It means to desire it. So let's not discount what Jesus was feeling in this moment. Jesus was feeling all of the feels of temptation of saying, you know, I really want them to see me and recognize me as Messiah, which there was nothing wrong with that. But God was wanting Jesus to die to the feeling of the need to be seen. And any time that you or I desire to be seen, it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be recognized for hard work. But when you go out of the way to be seen, you are falling in a similar trap. Amen? So this is the pride of life. And don't, don't, don't think just because you don't fall, you don't have an issue with the lust of the flesh, you don't have an issue saying no to the chicken wings like me. That would be my temptation. And maybe yours is not pride. But this third one, someone came up to me the other day and said, you know, pastor, I don't struggle with my flesh anymore. Just hear me out. And some people don't. Some people have mastery, but we all have a weakness. Look at somebody and say, you know, you do. Every person in this room has a weakness. Some more than one. And so we get to this, this, this third one, and I, I just read it. It was where the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of their world, of this world, and their what? Come on, say it. All the kingdoms of this world and their, and their glory. Say Glory. I had somebody recently come up to me and they said, Pastor, I don't struggle in my flesh anymore. And they also said, you know, pride is not a huge issue in my life. But when I see shiny things, some people don't have saying no to certain foods or flesh or falling into sexual sin. Some people have no pride issues. They are as humble as Jesus in so many ways. You correct them, they're fine. They keep coming to the church. You know, if you point out a wrong in their life, they're just super humble, admittive. But then you put something shiny in front of them. Or they see a nice car. It moves them. So, so you remember when before Jesus died, on the cross, before he was resurrected, all of that, right before this happens, the crucifixion happens, you, you know what Jesus says to his disciples? Is everybody okay this morning? Is this okay? He says these words. I love these words. They so moved me. And, I, and, and I, ever since I heard these words, I said, God, I want to come to that place. I'm not there yet, but I want to be here. Here's what he said. The enemy of this world is coming Yet he has nothing in me. You know why Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? Even in spite of him being the son of God, and he was 100% God. Say he was 100% God. And he was 100% man. He was both, or he couldn't have died for our sins. 100% God, 100% man. Means he still had struggles in him. And so what was in him was being tested in the wilderness so that he could eventually come to the place where he could say before he went on the cross, the enemy of this world, the enemy of this world is coming, yet he has nothing in me. I don't know about you, but I want to come to the place on this side of heaven. I don't want to wait till I get to the pearly gates. I want to walk in the spirit. I want to walk in the love of God. I want to experience all that God has for me. I want to walk in power and in demonstration by humility, but by the spirit of God on this side of heaven. 
and, and come to a place where when people hurt me, when people talk bad about me, that they can come in my face and I can still love them and genuinely mean it. I want to come to a place where any amount of money can be put in front of me, any amount of temptation, the prettiest lady in the world. And I want to come to the place where the enemy has nothing in me. God is calling us all deeper. Why do you think the church is being so tested right now? And when I say the church, I mean the body of Christ at large. Big ministers that stand head and shoulder being tested and tempted. Churches falling apart. Families falling apart. Loved ones at odds with one another. What's happening? The temptations. You're being tried and being tried by fire. That's what season the body of Christ is in. Why? Because Jesus is coming back for his church. We had a wedding last night. We were talking about, you know, pure, purity and all these things. And you know he's not coming back for a bride who has something in them. My Bible says that he is coming for a bride without a spot and without wrinkle. I don't know about you, but I want to be spotless when Jesus comes. I want to be blameless. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. Say, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. So this ultimate temptation, this is the ultimate temptation. You want me to tell you why? Because the devil had the guts to finally come to Jesus. And this is what he desired the whole time. He started with the bread. He started with the pride of life. He wanted to see if the devil was anything like him. Do you know what the devil was like? Do you remember me reading uh, in the book of Isaiah what the devil was dressed in? All these timbrels, all these harps. He was the worship leader of heaven. And then he, gets, he falls out of heaven. And this is a dangerous thing in the body of Christ because most people who are prideful cannot see it. Everybody else can see it but them. And so this is what got the devil, Lucifer, namely, it's what got him cast out of heaven. And so, so the devil is tempting to see if, hey, will you turn these stones into bread? Will you go on the pinnacle of the mountain? Are you just like me? Will you fall just like me? And then the devil starts with this third temptation. I will give you all the kingdoms of this world and their glory if you do this one thing. Bow down and worship me. And they were clearly... It was clearly somewhere in Jesus' heart. And here's the, here's the thing. This is the most deceptive. You want to know why people get off course with Jesus? Can I tell you? While we start on course and then we get off course, I always wondered that. I always wondered. I've wondered that my whole life. For 20-something years, I've been asking the Lord, why do so many men and women of God that I have known to be strong somehow, what is down there? What is far down that road, Lord, where they get off somehow? What is it? And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit say is because my will for you or the devil's will for you sometimes looks like my will for you. And here's what I mean. I'm getting really decent at boating. I'm being careful saying that. You know, I bought this boat for the church and uh, Dean's laughing because I hit a sandbar out in the ocean and almost tipped the boat. But I, I said, I'm getting good. Ushers, can you remove this man? He's a distraction to the body of Christ right now. I'm kidding. I said I'm getting really good. Now, I, I like to travel down rivers. I, I, I love going to the St. John's. I've been going there for um, many years, since I was about four years old. And the thing is, when you go down the river, there are many different channels that are tied to the river. And there are many times that the, the river splits off in certain areas, and both look like the main river. Now, this is heavy. This is why they get off, Rick. Is because oftentimes God's, the enemy's will for your life looks like God's will, but there's, there's, there's a twist. There's, there's a twist. There's a bend in it. And if you're not discernful and if you don't understand the word of God, you will not know the difference between who God's will is for you to marry and who you should not. Or what career path you should take or what you should not take. They look very, very similar. And I want to teach you on this just a little bit. Remember this, this example? Ah, see the devil? It's, it's, it's like, yes, this is God's will, but 
the devil bends it a little bit. He just turns it just a little bit. Now, was it wrong for Jesus to turn those stones into bread? Come on, talk to me. In a natural sense. Do you know why I know it wasn't wrong? Because listen to this verse of scripture in John chapter six. And I read this, I believe the other week. And I wanna, I wanna take it a little bit deeper. Can we go a little bit deeper? Can we put on our snorkel a little bit? He said, John, in John chapter six, verse 10, then Jesus said to them, make the people sit down. This is after the temptation. So this is the great miracle of the multiplication of the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. And so the men sat down in number about 5,000, not including men and women. So that would equal up about 15,000 people. So Jesus multiplies five loaves and two fish. Now you got to get the severity and the heaviness of this because Jesus knew one day that he would multiply five loaves and two fish, but he knew the timing was off. And for any man and woman of God that's under the sound of my voice, make sure you do this. When God gives you something and graces you with something and anoints you for something, do yourself a favor and don't use it on you. Jesus was anointed to multiply that, that, that loaf or that, excuse me, that turn that stone into bread and he could have fed himself. You know how I know to, to discern the will of God and to discern whether it's not the enemy is when the enemy starts telling me to use it on myself. That, that is so worthy of writing down and, and putting to where you can see it every single day. This is how I discern the devil. Many people don't understand it and they'll say, well, God gave me this. God gave me this job. Keep the tithe. You, you know, prophetic people who are given a gift, you know when they start using it on themselves is when they start asking people for a lot of money to use the gift. I know this is too heavy for the body of Christ, but I believe God is turning the tables on that. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? The devil doesn't mind you having the gift. He wants you to pervert it. Does everybody hear what I'm saying right now? So Jesus multiplies five loaves and two fish. Now, now, now let's look at the second temptation, which was, what was that? Come on. To show it, to go on the pinnacle of the temple, to throw himself down, to show that he was the living God. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will bear you up, least you dash your foot against the stone. Now watch this. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain or in the holy city, put him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now watch this. Would the time come where Jesus would ascend to a high place and show himself to be the son of God? Yes, he would. Watch. I want you to see this intermingling of what Jesus would eventually do, but it would have been wrong to do it in the time of temptation. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. I wish this could be up on the screen. They watched and looked steadfastly toward heaven as Jesus went up. And behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. They were angels. Say angels. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him going into heaven. Jesus ascended. Do you see the similarities there? What he was being tempted with in the wilderness, he would eventually fulfill, but all in God's timing. That's every, timing is everything in the kingdom. Timing is everything. Do you know you can do the right thing at the wrong time? You might be called to buy that Airstream, but make sure it's God's time. You might be called to get married, but is it God's time? You might be called to ministry, but is it God's time? And we don't want to talk about when it's time and not time to speak up to certain people, even when it's truth. Because you say it at the wrong time, it could hurt the relationship and God loses the opportunity because you opened your mouth too soon. Number three, 
and we get to all the kingdoms and their world and their glory, if Jesus would what? Do what? Bow down and worship the enemy. Now watch this. Was it bad for Jesus to receive the glory? Come on, answer me. No, it would not be. Because just this morning, if I'm not mistaken, we were giving him glory. And our life is to give him glory constantly. Say constantly. Night and day. Always giving him glory in everything that we do, in our sitting down, in our rising up, in our work, in our relationships, in our conversations, in our conduct. It's all supposed to bring glory to God. Is everybody with me? Now watch what he says in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. Almost before the uh, crucifixion and the ascension happens. And Jesus says this in verse 20 of chapter 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, this verse is what I wanted you to see right here and here. And the glory, say the glory, the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. Do you see that? That there was nothing wrong for Jesus getting the glory because God would eventually give him all the glory. It was the timing. It was the timing. I have no problem with people excelling in life, being promoted in life. I have no problem in when the Lord promotes people. The problem is desire. If you look at Jesus' life, every time, and this was more than one time, they would try to take him to be king. Do you know what he would do? He would run from promotion. This is the way of the cross. This is the way of Jesus. People who want promotion cannot be trusted when it, get, when it happens. I know that's heavy. I know that's heavy. But, but, but desire to desire something can be wrong if it's not mingled with the desire for God only to get glory out of it. Because he shares his glory, he shares his glory with no one. Can I give you two principles in God's kingdom? And these are worthy to write down. I really believe, I believe the Lord dropped these in my heart as I was sitting before the Lord this morning at around 5 a.m. Two principles in the kingdom. And I practice these principles personally, daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. Number one, you cannot and will not be made a godly steward of God. In other words, he won't entrust you with it say he won't trust me with it you cannot and will not be made a godly steward by God the Holy Spirit of something you have not resisted or died to Jesus died to turning those stones into bread what did he eventually do come on church he multiplied it but he had to die to it first Everybody hear what I'm saying? You cannot be promoted or trusted with stewardship in God's kingdom until you die to a certain desire. It's gospel. Number two, if you use God's blessings for yourself, this is heavy. If you use God's blessings for yourself, it will destroy you. The devil, Lucifer in heaven. What happened to him? When all, when the, when the angels were seeing how his garments emanated the very glory of God, what did he do? He began to use it on himself. And he said, if I shall ascend, I will be like the most high. The next thing happens, he's cast out of heaven. He used glory on himself. So if you use God's blessings only for yourself, it will destroy you. If you use it on others, watch this, it'll multiply and it will increase. This is the way of Jesus. Anything that we're giving, given is to be given away. 
This is why this is this is why so many people get in so much spiritual trouble when God elevates them and bless them. And let me tell you this: this cycle that you've seen in Jesus's life is a constant, continual cycle in every person's life. Every level that you go to, every new promotion that you get, your flesh will be tested. Your pride will be tested. Come on. Whether or not you want to receive glory for yourself, for self-gloating or self-exaltation will be tested to see if, will you give it to God? One of my other little secrets I stole from Catherine Kuhlman. She said she received lots of thank yous all the time. And I get thank yous. You know, it's not a huge church, but I get a lot of thank yous. Thank you. And people will, people will, people will try to tell me things that, that, um, that can make you feel really good or really bad. You know what I've done? I take only one thank you a week and I put it in my pocket. And I give the rest back to God. Just enough to keep me going. Just one thank you. I'll remember that one thank you from that person. Thank you, Lord. I only want to sip from God's cup. I don't want the whole cup. I give it away. Amen. Somebody say, give it away. The glory belongs to God. You want to know one of my other personal secrets? I don't trust, I don't trust what anyone says about me, good or bad. You ought to take that home, James. I don't, I don't trust what, anything, what anybody says to me, good or bad. Can I explain what I mean? I love you guys. Thank you. Keep the thank yous coming. I'll keep at least one of them. Like a, you know, a raffle box. I'll choose one and put it in my pocket. Here's what I mean by that. If you listen to what people say about you when they say, oh, look how great you did. Oh, this ministered to me so, so much. Oh, man of God, this and that. And you begin to believe that, it'll destroy you. And I also cannot believe those people in my critics who say, oh, man, he preaches too hard. He's very harsh. He's kind of monotone at times. He tells too many funny jokes. Everybody, where you have people who are with you, you always have people who are going to be a critic. Never believe your critics nor the praisers. Look to God for that. Look to God for your correction, not people. Look to the Lord for praise, not people. Come on, the church ought to say amen. This will protect you if you practice this in your life. Because if you have a weakness with pride, the devil will oftentimes send lots of people to get your head really big until you fall. And if pride is not your issue, but insecurity is, he'll send lots and lots of people to tell you what such a bad job that you are doing. Oh, come on. Is that too much for you guys this morning? So the neutral, to remain neutral is to get your praise and, admission, and admiration and the glory from God. Amen? And you give it all back to him. Hallelujah. Now watch, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. Sorry, I'm being much more of a teacher this morning. Lots of scripture. Is that okay? I'm using a lot of scripture. I can, I can prove this throughout the whole Bible where Jesus had to die to certain things before he would live. Watch what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also loved us, and given himself for us. Now watch this. Say, he gave himself for me. An offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. So this scripture is saying that Jesus sacrificed his life, and he gave it. Say, he gave it. We think the Roman soldiers took his life. Jesus gave his life. Say, he gave it. Now watch this. Watch what John chapter 10, verse 17 says, and verse 18 as well. Therefore, my Father loves me because I laid down my life that it may be taken up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it, lay it down of myself. Now watch this. This is why he had the power, because I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This is a command that I have received from my Father. Do you know why Jesus was able to be raised from the dead? Because he died willingly.
This is why the church lacks power. It lacks power. You know, there was never any real awakening until a man or a woman of God rose up and said, you know what? I'm sick of the way the church looks. We have to look at our lives and wonder. Not you, me. I, I, I start with me. I start with me. Now, many people cry in the back and are, are, are experiencing God. But I'll tell you what, it started with, with tears of a man in his own house evaluating his own sin and saying, God, we have drifted so far. We've drifted so far. And that cry has now begun to touch other people and there's a realization happening in the body of Christ. It starts with someone coming to the realization that, God, where is your power at? Where is this same spirit the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And then we have to start questioning ourselves. Are we living for ourselves, our own fleshly desires? Are we only after God's blessings to bless ourselves? Are we only wanting to be elevated, not to bring Him glory, but to bring ourselves glory? Are the only reason that we're tithing and we're going through the church motions is so that God will give us all these kingdoms and their glory? We have to begin to question our motives. He's coming back for a pure bride. And listen, I know that your mom can not see this. Your friends may not see it, but God sees the heart. He who has created the eye, can he not see? He who has created the ear, can he not hear? He sees and knows all. Is this too heavy for you guys? I'm much nicer when I'm not preaching. I want to read this, this uh, in the Message Bible, that verse that I just read. He said, this is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life, and so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will, and I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I receive this authority from my Heavenly Father. So what am I trying to say? I want to put emphasis on this once again. God cannot entrust us with something we have not resisted or died to. In body of Christ, I want to tell you right now, and those of you who are watching on live stream, we are in a testing season if you haven't become aware of it just yet. Why are we being tested? Do you know I oftentimes, one of my other little secrets, something I didn't understand as a little boy, my early childhood is marred with pain and suffering. It's marred with it. Do I have anybody who has a rough upbringing in the room? It's marred with it. But you know what? I cannot, my earliest memories were my mother bringing, she didn't do this many times, but I just remember one of my, because of uh, trauma as a kid, I, I, there's a lot of things I just can't remember. Just you know, from, uh, there's a gap of years that I don't recall anything. And um, I've tried to, try to remember this or that. It just, it's not there. And I think it was because God was protecting me. My mom's clapping. But, but I do remember as a little boy, I remember her coming in my room and I remember her showing me red writing. And her reading something to me. And when she read something to me, something came alive. Like, I don't understand. I don't know how to explain it. I could say it in tongues. It's a joke. It's like I can't find words. But my heart came alive. And, and when she read these words that came from the mouth of Jesus, it was like um, someone who never had a warm hug. It was just, you know, like, a, like an abandoned child. And I wasn't abandoned. I received a lot of love from my mother. But it was like the Lord himself wrapped me. And I knew when I heard those verses, like, I felt like a fish dropped in water. Like, I, I, I knew there was something. My life was connected to this somehow. I, as only way I could say it, I, was, I, I would go as far as to say I was born to live this and to walk in this and to be a part of this. This was like my food. It was like tasting. It was like somebody who was blind who saw for the first time or somebody who never heard I heard for the first time or somebody who never had taste buds tasted for the first time. 
Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And when I went into my first meeting, I called a meeting, church meeting, when I was a little bit older and I walked in and I felt the presence of God for the very first time, I could do nothing but, but weep. It was like a baby being born. I was like, I was meant for this. It's what made me go to church four days a week. And I knew, I knew right then and there, I could never live apart from that ever again. Is that, does anybody understand that feeling I'm saying? It's called the calling of God. And but, so with that great call as a little boy, intermingled was this, this marring of pain, hardship with the loss of my, murder of my father and, all these different struggles surrounding my life, so much loss. It was marred with abandonment, rejection, death, divorce, drug addiction, lack, you name it, and all of the rest. And do you know what God was doing? It was my wilderness. God was building me. See, we don't know it. We don't realize that God is building us. That tough thing, whatever it is, I don't know what it is in your personal life. It's something. And, and where people miss Jesus is, is they think God doesn't love me. But he's building you. You know how God loves us? He loves us by making us ready for what he has. That's his love. He has to build us. I want everybody to say he's building me. He's building a holy habitation in you so that when he does it, your lifestyle can sustain what he does and you will be a warrior for the kingdom of God and no devil in hell will be able to take or strip away from you what God has for you because what he has for you is for you and for you and for you and for you. And so God is building us in these last days to become the sons and daughters of God that he's called us to. How does he make us sons and daughter? He brings us through testing and trials and tribulations so that he can build our spiritual muscles. Do, do you know do you know the tangible in the air that's here many times? You can almost feel the Lord. Can anybody sense him in the room? When, when we sense him, I want to tell you a secret. For three years before we started this church, oh God, it was the most miserable. I couldn't get God's presence for three years. We talk about God's presence and we get to experience this for three years. You know what God was doing? He was building me. He was building me. He, because he knew the level of warfare that we would receive starting a church. And so he needed me to know what being feeling forsaken feels like because he knew that people would come and people would go. And he wanted to know, will you stick it out with me when you don't hear my voice? Will you, will you stay with me when you cannot trace my presence? Will you still hold on to me? Will you still keep your pants up? Will you still keep your heart right? Come on, I'm preaching to you men out there. Will you still keep your heart right? Will you still keep a moral lifestyle even though you can't trace my presence in your life? And what you do when nobody's looking and you can't see or sense God, this determines the trust that God will give you. And you know, I remember saying this and I know it's not theological. The church will throw you out. You start talking like this. I remember just lifting my hands to the Lord. I was crying. I couldn't get in. It seems to be sometimes so easy to get in his presence now. But it was not easy for three years. I thought I had done nothing wrong. It was as if one day he gone. And I couldn't get I would read the Bible. I would cry. And it wasn't because I was feeling him. It was because I, what did I do wrong? I, I can't feel you. I, I don't want to pray. I would pray. I would fast. I would do all these things. And there was no God, it seemed. But thank God for these beautiful words that would jump off the page. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I one day I looked and I, I said, dear Jesus, I, it's not theological, so don't judge me. I said, I don't know about you but I'm going to remain faithful in this relationship. Talking to God like that. Don't talk to God like that. And oh, oh, he's so faithful. 
If you just hold on, if you just hold on, if you push through the temptations, if you keep resisting, and you know what happens? I heard this the other day. It popped up and this gentleman is preaching on the very same thing. He was preaching on the very same thing. You can stand to your feet. He was preaching on the three temptations. I'm not even getting to half this content here, so have mercy on me. Uh, Here's my exhortation. Is that we have to earn the Lord's trust by going through hardship and not breaking. Did you hear what I said? This is how we earn his trust. Whatever you're having to die to, take care. Take note that he's probably having you die to that area. You know how like we have these deep desires in our heart and it's like seems the, 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 the promise of that thing seems so far away. Does anybody feel like that right now? Like there's a desire in your heart, but it seems so far-fetched a dream, something that God has told you. And it's almost like you're like you have two choices. Either you misbelieve God, disbelieve him and say, God, I'm walking away. You're not faithful. Or you die to that thing. Do you, do you know what he's wanting? He, he wants to know. He wants to know that you won't get distracted when you get it. So therefore he has you die to it until you finally come, I come to the realization that he is your all in all. That's the, he doesn't mind giving you anything, church. Nothing as long as you love him more than anything. You think God doesn't have the ability to heal? What is he allowing you to be taught in this season? We were singing a song today. What was it? I am. What was, it was a song about, oh, your name, your name. God described himself in the Bible. You know what his name is? I am. I am healer. I am deliverer. He knew our, our, our humanness would limit him by one phrase. But he is. He, does, he has the ability to walk you through, to strengthen you, to bless you, and do all those things. But what he wants to do is build character. That's what he's up to. He's up to building character in the body of Christ. You leaving's not going to make you better. You like that, don't you? Somebody say, trust God. I had a dream. I'm going to close with this. Everybody okay? I had a dream. I fought in my own heart whether I would share this dream. This is for all of us especially if you're called in any type of leadership, you have a calling on your life. And I have a hunch that it's just about everybody in this room. As I close, a few months back, I sent this dream to Tamaki. And it was of my old pastor, my pastor who's now passed on. He pastored about a 10,000 member church, very, very large church. I was there for many years. I was there every time the church doors would open. I worked full time, but any, that was my life work and church. You wouldn't find me anywhere else. You wouldn't hang, find me hanging out with friends. If, if I was off of work, that's where I was. And um, the church took off like, he started with four people and it took off like a rocket. I mean, just like fast. Within 12 years, it was 10,000 people. We were doing three services a day uh, on Sunday and I was, you know, helping push the cars out, guiding cars, working in the young adults ministry, all of these different things. It started so strong. It was so strong, but then something began to happen. The short story is it did not end well. I still honor this man. I still love this man. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for this man. But this church fell apart. He was found uh, dead one day. Uh, I won't go into the details. I don't think it's... Uh, it's necessary, but here's, here's the whole point. I had a dream because I was asking the Lord, I said, 
where are you? Like when you moved in so many different ways that I've seen him even move in this city. Like I've seen him move in the Brownsville revival, like 4 million people passing through some obscure place in Pensacola, Florida. 4 million people being touched. So many salvations, 200,000 people got saved. You got Azusa Street revival where six, 600 million Christians today can trace their roots back to this little 2,000 square foot stable at Azusa Street. Where is the God of yesterday? These were my questions. God, where are you at today? And of course, I know theologically where he is. He doesn't leave nor forsake. I believe he waits on us. I believe that. And I have this dream. And in this dream, my pastor comes back on the scene. This was recent. He comes back on the scene. And he, and he began to ask me. This, this is so key. And I, and I, I told this on Wednesday night, Dean. And, and, and then as I was telling it, I was getting the interpretation. Are you all ready? Here's in the dream I was with my pastor and he looked over at me and he said, I want you to choose the leaders for the church. I want you to vet them. It was like those kind of words, vet them. Do you know what vet means? Evaluate their life. He said, vet them. I need people who I can trust. Vivid dream, like almost like very real. And I didn't understand it in a dream. And so I went and evaluated a few people and I went back to him. I said, Pastor, there was one gentleman. I said, I don't know about this guy. I said, let's be cautious. He said, okay, I want you to run the meeting today. I'm like, this is today's church launch. What do you mean you want me to preach the meeting? You know, I'm not the most secure guy. If you don't know that already, I'm, I preach most Sundays, but it's like the worst day because I have to speak in front of people. Pray for me. My hands are all sweaty, look. And he said, I want you to preach the meeting. And so I go and I, I preach the meeting and it was a wonderful meeting. And then the next Sunday, in the dream, this is in the dream, the next Sunday rolls around. He says, I want you to preach this meeting too. I'm like, you do know you're the pastor of the church, right? And I knew this was a prophetic dream. And here's what I took that as Tamaki. He's wanting me to take care and evaluate where we are as a church because the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said this. It wasn't audibly. I said, God, why aren't you doing what you did before with the church? Where, where are you at? Where are you, why are you not moving like you used to move in the body of Christ? And I know God moves in different ways. You know what he told me? He said, my servants have lost my, lost my trust. My people because when God truly releases his glory, it has a great effect on people. But people who steward it have to be careful. Because it can destroy you. And he, and he says, and I believe that God is looking for a company of people who can be trusted with that type of power. Will they use it for themselves? Will they... I've, I've seriously considered shutting that thing down back there. Facebook. Let's be honest. Most churches keep, keep it up to keep the numbers up. God is so tired of that. He's so tired of that. You have to put out enough content so people give enough to keep the church sustained. Now I'm understanding why God told me to keep my job when I was about to give it up. He said, because I don't want your preaching. I don't want you to filter your preaching. Oh, there's more churches where people own the pastor because they know if the pastor says one thing wrong, they will stop giving. And the Lord told me very clear. He said, that's why I've kept your job. He said this even the past few days. I, I want you to hold on to that thing because I don't want you to filter anything. I want you to preach my truth. I want you to declare my truth. And let every devil, let every devil remember this under the sound of my voice that the preaching is going to get worse. And these church doors will stay opened because it will not be dependent on a person or even a congregation. Oh, because the Bible says this is the Lord's doing and it's wonderful in our eyes. That's what the Bible says. He's looking for a company of people and I'm asking you as the body of Christ. Here's what I'm asking you and I am closing now. 
I'm asking you, whatever you're being tested with, I'm asking you, tested in your marriage, your family, with your children, sickness, disease, doesn't matter. Being tested in your flesh, being tested with pride issues, being tested with uh, the things of this world that would allure you away right out of the will of God, I'm asking you to pass the test. Pass the test. And if you do, and I believe that you will, I trust that you will, I beg you to pass. He will trust you. You will earn his trust. When you die enough to self, he looks. He looks for people to trust. You know what God in me needs more than anything? Friends. Friends. We're all his friends. Abraham was his friend. God tells me weird stuff. Like when certain people aren't here, I just sometimes just know things. And I ask the Lord, why are you telling me stuff that doesn't even apply? He said, you know, I need friends too. I started wondering that lately. When I get an unction on something, I'm like, that doesn't even apply to the service, Lord. And he'll just tell me a certain something. It'll be in my heart and I'll tell my wife. And she's like, okay, that's weird. And I started finding out like he likes me. He likes you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants friends that stick closer than a brother. He desires that for you, church. He desires us to go higher ascension, past the religiosity, past normalcy. I told the Lord, if all he wants is a regular church for me, I said, I don't want it. I'd rather just go back to work. I was fine before all this. I don't want my heart to be left longing, longing, wondering what would God do if we were truly a body ready to carry his glory gently, not reaching out and touching it and manipulating it. Like who did that? Uzzah. It was Uzzah. Remember when they were carrying the ark and then he, he haphazardly reached out and tried to grab it to balance it. God doesn't need our help. He just needs our stewardship. He needs our holiness. That only comes from him. Can we just lift our hands and ask him for strength for the journey? He needs friends. It's what he needs. We want to be your friend, Lord. We, we want to pass. We want to hear on this side, well done and good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear, well, you passed two of the three. We want to pass every test, every trial. We want to be your friends and we want to be trusted, Lord. And I ask that you would do something so special here. Not that we are special. We just want to position ourselves for all that you have for us. We desire what you desire, Lord. We desire global awakening for you to touch people, change hearts, make yourself real in families. We want your tangible presence here. We want your fragrance in the room when we walk in. We want to meet with you. We want to know you. We don't want this cold, calculated Christianity. We really want something real and authentic, Jesus, but we can't do it without you. And we know that Yes, there was this phrase that was given the other day. It says, God will not, he can, but he will not do it without us. And we cannot do it without him. He will not. He needs your partnership. He needs you to pass this test, whatever it is that you're facing. So Father, I pray that you would release grace in this room because I know it's by, not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. So Lord, release your Spirit. Come on, give me some juice back there, Joel, wherever you are. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would touch each and every one in this place. Strength and grace for the journey. Equip us. May we pass every test that tries our flesh, every test that tries the pride in our hearts, every test that would try us 
as it relates to receiving glory for ourselves. And God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts with your precious blood, the blood of Jesus. Cleanse anything that's questionable in our hearts and lives. Anything that could be in our lives where we could not, where we would not be positioned to carry your glory. That's my prayer. Position us, strengthen us, God. You said this prayer, I'm hearing this like the Lord's prayer. It says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And I pray that for this body, Lord, that you would lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil by your spirit, Lord. May even areas where we're blinded to self, where we have destructive habits and propensities and attitudes, we all have blind spots, Lord. I pray that by your spirit, you would purify and sanctify those areas of our lives. Make us in right standing. Position us with right standing so that when you do what you've promised me and you would promise to do among these companies of people, we would be ready. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and eye closed. I want to ask you something this morning before we leave. I just, I want, I want to know if everyone's heart is right with the Lord. Saying the sinner's prayer doesn't make you right with him. Standing in right standing makes you right with him. And I want to ask you this morning, are you in right standing with God? Can he trust you? If you don't feel, if you feel there's something compromising in your own life, I'm not going to ask you to speak into a mic, but I am asking for you to simply lift your hand as a sign of surrender, like you're willing to give that thing up, whatever that thing is that would hinder a moving of his spirit in your life or even in this church. That's what unity is all about. The fire fell when there was unity in the upper room. I'm asking for unity this morning. So if you're in here and you are living a compromised life or you know you're not in right standing with God, with Christ, I'm asking you to lift your hand. I'd like to include you in a prayer. I see all those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's at least four or five of you that I can see. You can put those hands down. I want you to say this with me, church. I want you to pray alongside them. Not some soft, cliche prayer, but I want you to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender everything that is compromising in my life. Anything that would hinder a move of your spirit in my life, I give it all to you. I lay it at the foot of the cross. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe that you died on that cross and that you rose from the dead on the third day so that I could have life, life more abundantly. Sin and addiction and depravity doesn't look like your kingdom. And I don't want it. So help me to have that abundant life that you promised in your word. I receive that abundant life and I receive the power. Come on, everybody lift your hands right now. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live holy and to live in right standing with you so that we as people, as a church, as a community, as a family could be able to handle what you're about to send to the body of Christ, awakening, revival, and outpouring of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, receive the Holy Spirit now. No, just receive. Say, I receive. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Let the Holy Spirit fall on each and every one. Let that flaming torch fall on each and every one. That same fire that fell in the upper room. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.